Hello and welcome back to The Power of Now, A Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment with Gilda and Barbara. We are doing a book study on this book written by Eckhart Tolle and we hope you have your copies so that you can follow along. Today we are on Chapter 8, Section 2, Enlightened Relationships, Love-Hate Relationships. My name is Barbara Wainwright and I'm here with Gilda Simone. Welcome, Gilda. Thank you. Love-Hate Relationships. Unless and until you access the consciousness frequency of presence, all relationships, and particularly intimate relationships, are deeply flawed and ultimately dysfunctional. They may seem perfect for a while, such as when you are in love, but invariably that apparent perfection gets disrupted as arguments, conflicts, dissatisfaction, and emotional or even physical violence occur with increasing frequency. It seems that most love relationships become love-hate relationships before long. Love can then turn into a savage attack, feelings of hostility, or complete withdrawal of affection at the flick of a switch. This is considered normal. The relationship then oscillates for a while, a few months or a few years, between the polarities of love and hate. And it gives you as much pleasure as it gives you pain. It is not uncommon for couples to become addicted to those cycles. Their drama makes them feel alive. When a balance between the positive and negative polarities is lost, and the negative destructive cycles occur with increasing frequency and intensity, which tends to happen sooner or later, then it will not be long before the relationship finally collapses. Well, I just have to comment about this is considered normal. <laughs> that is so sad that that would be considered normal because it sounds really toxic to me. And indeed, I've been in those types of relationships before I read Eckhart's book. So this book has been a saving grace for me in understanding that there's a pain body within each one of us. And until we get that pain body under control, we're going to experience love-hate relationships, whether it's with a significant other or an intimate relationship or family and friends. So it's something that really needs to be explored and managed. Right. And that's unfortunately just a large part of the toxic relationship cycle, you know, and Mm -hmm. like Eckhart said, there's only like a small percentage that finally kind of, I guess, change the patterns or the cycles. And then you don't really have those love-hate relationships anymore. Right. So I can share how this worked for me. When the pain body was triggered in, in my physical body, I could feel it. It would start in my stomach. And that's where I'd feel the energy shift in my whole body would start in my stomach. As soon as I felt the energy shift, I detach from whatever was going on that was causing the pain body to get stirred up and I'd go for a walk. So I detached from whatever was happening, just like shut down. I knew something was going on within me. Well, it didn't matter what was happening outside. It could have been anybody, anything that was causing that turmoil within me. And I'd shut whatever that was, I'd just shut it down. I'd walk away and I'd go and I'd take a walk 
and I'd get back to my center. I'd get back to my calm. I would walk and breathe and walk and breathe until that energy had dissipated completely. So what Eckhart says in this book is to focus all your attention on that energy field that you feel within you when you feel anger arising, you feel that pain body arising within you, focus all your attention on it, breathe into it, and eventually it will transmute into light and it will be gone. And furthermore, it won't come back. Now, the pain body is deep. (laughs) There's a lot of triggers that might be within you, maybe not anymore, but Maybe they were, maybe they are. I don't know who you are that's listening. But if you still have triggers within you that trigger the pain body, look at it as a gift. It's a gift to you to let you know, hey, you have something you can work on here. You have some energy that you can transmute. And once you transmute it, you're going to feel lighter and better. And your life is just going to get better and better and better from there. So go ahead and Thank whoever it was or whatever the situation was that caused you to uh, have that pain body arise within you and go work on yourself. Take some deep breaths, take a walk, disconnect, breathe into it, focus your attention on it. Let that energy dissipate, transmute and turn into light and breathe. And then you can walk back into the situation and handle it with grace and ease. It's beautiful. Right. I love that. And I love what you said about walking and breathe, walk, breathe, walk and breathe, because that's exactly what I do. I and it, it works so well. Yeah, It I does it. work. Yes, it does work. The thing is to be conscious that that's arising within you. If you can consciously go, oh, that hurt. Let me see. I think I need to go for a walk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll be golden. That's it. That's all you need to do. You know, you have to be conscious of it. You don't even always have to even take a walk. Like sometimes you can just sit there on your bed. Yeah. Like, okay, feet on the ground and just breathe through it. You know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It may appear that if you could only eliminate the negative or destructive cycles, then all would be well and the relationship would flower beautifully. But at last, This is not possible. The polarities are mutually interdependent. You cannot have one without the other. The positive already contains within itself the as yet unmanifested negative. Both are in fact different aspects of the same dysfunction. I am speaking here of what are commonly called romantic relationships, not of true love, which has no opposite because it arises from beyond the mind. Love as a continuous state is as yet very rare, as rare as conscious human beings. Brief and elusive glimpses of love, however, are possible whenever there is a gap in the stream of mind. The negative side of a relationship is, of course, more easily recognizable as dysfunction than the positive one. And it is also easier to recognize the source of negativity in your partner than it is to see it in yourself. It can manifest in many forms, possessiveness, jealousy, 
control, withdrawal, and unspoken resentment, the need to be right, insensitivity, and self-absorption, emotional demands, and manipulation, the urge to argue, criticize, judge, blame, or attack, anger, unconscious revenge for past pain inflicted by a parent, rage, and actually ending up in physical violence. You know, I just listened to all of that, and I know that I have experienced I want to say all of these things, possessiveness, jealousy, right? People that are controlling. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. The need to be right. Oh my goodness. You know, insensitivity, self-absorption. It's all about me. Oh my gosh. Right. Emotional demands, manipulation, you know, well, if you don't do this, then I'm not going to, and the urge to argue. Oh my gosh. Criticize judge. I mean, I, I've, had people that have been very judgmental in my life. It's like, oh, don't you just want to? Mm. Um, yeah. Everything you said, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Oh my gosh! So I love this past pain inflicted by a parent. You know, and that's so true. That's why I think poor kids. You know, if people haven't dealt with the pain body that was created within them because of a parent they turn around and do that to their kids and that's where the rage and the physical violence comes in you know when they get they're triggered by something that happened to them when they were a kid at when they were a kid they didn't have any way to fight back or resolve the issue within themselves so they just buried it and now you hit the trigger again and it's like whoa where did that come from well it probably came from an experience they had when they were a child And I think sometimes if you're not behaving in the same patterns that your parents behaved in, you could possibly also just allow that same type of behavior to continue. So you could be sitting there thinking like, hey, like, you know, my parents did this and that to me. You know, at least I'm not doing that to my kids. When in fact, maybe you're with somebody who is doing those things to your kids. And although you're not doing it, you're allowing that behavior still because you don't realize you're still stuck in that cycle. 100% there. And it's really a, a tough place to be, you know, because it's not easy being in a relationship with somebody who's unconscious. Let's say that. It's not easy. Not at all. But it sure is a growing lesson. It's a it's a way to learn what your triggers are. And, you know, I just, I think I got to the point now where I have zero tolerance to put up with anybody else's pain body. I'll walk you through your pain body, but I'm not going to suffer the inflicted pain that you want to harness on me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because the pain body it wants exactly that to inflict pain on somebody else. It feeds on it. That's how it gets its energy. That's how it feels alive. So it's feeding on inflicting pain on something, somebody else, an animal. I mean, whatever it is, that pain body wants to feed on the pain of something, typically not the self. However, that some people inflict pain on their own body. So it can, the pain body can rear up, if you will, in many different ways. And this whole chapter is dedicated, I would think, 
to how the pain body flares up in relationships. On the positive side, you are in love with your partner. This is at first a deeply satisfying state. You feel intensely alive. Your existence has suddenly become meaningful because someone needs you, wants you, and makes you feel special. And you do the same for him or her. When you are together, you feel whole. The feeling can become so intense that the rest of the world fades into insignificance. Okay, this reminds me of a clip I saw on YouTube with Bruce Lipton. He talks about keeping the honeymoon alive. And so that's it. You go on this honeymoon and you and your partner and are in love at the same time. And it's love, love, love. And the music feels good, is good. And the food tastes better. And life is excellent. Then you have to start thinking about things and going to work and getting back into your normal routine. And this is where you go unconscious. You are no longer operating from the creative conscious mind. You're operating from the unconscious. And that's where there are behaviors that can be self-sabotaging. The pain body's there. So what's interesting about that is that being in love, it happens with the creative conscious mind. You become very present in the moment. It's when you have to go think about, oh man, I got to go pay those bills and I got to do this and I got to do that. That's when you stop being present in the moment. And that's when all hell breaks loose in the relationships. All right. Eckert goes on to say, however, you may have also noticed that there is a neediness and a clinging quality to that intensity. You become addicted to the other person. He or she acts on you like a drug. You're on a high when the drug is available, but even the possibility or the thought that he or she might no longer be there for you can lead to jealousy, possessiveness, attempts at manipulation through emotional blackmail, blaming and accusing, a fear of loss. If the other person does leave you, this can give rise to the most intense hostility or the most profound grief and despair. In an instant, loving tenderness can turn into a savage attack or dreadful grief. Where's the love now? Can love change into its opposite in an instant? Was it love in the first place or just an addictive grasping and clinging? So I'm going to say, you know, it probably was love in the first place when you were both conscious, when you were both operating from the present moment, then you became unconscious, operating from the subconscious, and that's where all the self-sabotage, anxiety, stress, that's where that all comes from. Well, for those of you that are in a toxic relationship, now you know why, and if you are reading this book, there's a good chance that you now have the tools to release and transmute the pain body that's within you. 
you have the tools to stay conscious, recognize that that energy field that's within you is toxic and needs to be transmuted and healed. Do that. And then either one of two things will happen. The relationship you're in will go away because they can't handle you being at peace and, and the love energy that's pouring out of you becomes too much for them to bear. Or they will change with you. So the whole point here is that if you're in a toxic relationship, it's not about them. It's about you becoming conscious, transmuting your own pain body and healing yourself so that when you either stay in that relationship or get into a new one, so that you enter that relationship from a conscious, healthy place. Well, that's the end of this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to go deeper into a spiritual conversation, you can join our Facebook group, The Power of Now, A Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment with Gilda and Barbara. Or you can contribute by going to wainwrightglobal.com forward slash go forward slash support. Mm-hmm.